the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, this is a very important verse because this part of this verse has caused a great deal of debate and discussion over almost 2,000 years of church history. Wow, what a statement to start with. Don't you want to know what that verse is? Well, you're going to find out what verse uh, Pastor Leighton Sheely is talking about as we get into another edition of Study Verse by Verse. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us. This is an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and the church is on the web at highlands.us. This is a great time of year to check into all that's going on at the church. You can find out those details when you go to that website, highlands.us, including the service times and, of course, directions to the campus if you'd like to visit. Again, the website for the church, highlands.us. You see, some have interpreted the afflictions of Christ here, as mentioned, as being redemptive, his redemptive or mediatorial sufferings, and have then used this verse as grounds for claiming or asserting that Christ's atonement is defective or incomplete, and that the sufferings of the saints are needed to supplement or augment his work on our behalf. That interpretation has been the basis for teaching things like good works, purgatory, attendance, the purchase of indulgences, and other so-called merits that need to be added to the merit that the Lord has provided. But is that a correct interpretation of this verse? Now, it's important to observe that there are different kinds of suffering. Dr. J. Vernon McGee wrote, there are two kinds of suffering. There is ministerial suffering and there is mediatorial suffering. Christ's suffering for us was mediatorial. The sufferings of Paul were not. Mediatorial, what's that about? Mediatorial, mediator, mediation. Those words are all related to each other. You know, I was listening to the radio this week as I was going from someplace to someplace, and there was an advertisement that came on. And it was an attorney extolling the benefits of mediation. What is mediation? Well, mediation, it is an effort to resolve a conflict before the matter comes before the judge and judgment. That's what mediation is. 2 Timothy 2.5 tells us there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man... Christ Jesus. Jesus is our mediator. He has resolved our conflict with God before we stand in front of the supreme judge on judgment day. There's no such merit in Paul's suffering. Paul's words, I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's affliction, did not mean that Christ's affliction, his suffering, was inadequate to save his people. 
Paul believed that Christ's suffering on the cross alone paid for believer's salvation from sin. He wrote in Romans 3, All have sinned and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. Paul's sufferings or afflictions had nothing to do with the sacrificial sufferings of Christ on the cross. Only the sinless, spotless Lamb of God could die for the sins of the world. The word here in the original language that's translated afflictions refers to the pressures or the struggles of living and life. Struggles that come from being who we are. And the word is never used in the New Testament in reference to the sacrificial sufferings of Christ Jesus. Paul is not suggesting that the redemptive suffering of Christ requires any supplement or help. And he makes that very clear in the passage that we just read and studied when we last met together. Paul is convinced that Christ's death on the cross is completely and finally capable of taking care of the sin problem. Jesus himself said, it is finished. That means paid in full. That death was complete once and for all, wholly adequate to meet our need. So again, Paul is not saying here that Christ's death was insufficient or somehow he is a co-redeemer with Christ. And so if that's not what he's saying, what is he saying? What is he trying to get across to us? Well, what Paul here is making the point that a Christian will endure the sufferings that Christ would be enduring if Christ were still here. Now listen to what Jesus said in John 15. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. You see, the enemies of Christ are never satisfied. They have an insatiable hatred towards Christ. They want to make Christ suffer. They want to afflict Christ. And since Christ is no longer physically present on earth, the arrows that were meant for him end up hitting us. Christ's afflictions overflow toward us. Paul's suffering is connected to his ministry and is a byproduct of his teaching the gospel to a hostile pagan world. He was in prison because he proclaimed the gospel. His suffering was not mediatorial, it was ministerial, because it was related to his ministry. Now it's important for us to realize as well that when the enemies of the gospel afflict us, they afflict Christ also. And Paul understood this from his own conversion experience. You see, before, the, before he was the apostle Paul, he was Saul, and he hated the followers of Christ. In fact, Acts chapter 9 says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way... You see... Before we were called Christians, we were called people of the way, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? 
Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now note, the passage says Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, but Jesus said, why do you persecute me? He was persecuting the Lord's disciples, but Jesus said he was persecuting Jesus. You see, Paul understood from his conversion experience that there is a fellowship of suffering in suffering between believers and Christ. That's why he wrote in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. When the Lord's people are persecuted, Jesus is persecuted. When the Lord's people suffer, Jesus suffers. The church, which is the Lord's people, is Christ's body. And, and what Paul suffered, Christ suffered because he was a member of that body here on earth. And what Christ began as suffering in his persecution, rejection, his body, the church, continues. And rejoicing in pain has nothing to do with keeping a stiff upper lip or somehow trying to twist pleasure into pain while you're being mistreated. The value of suffering is the deepening fellowship we have with Christ our Savior and Lord. Suffering comes when you serve the gospel. Paul wrote, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Why? So that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. You see, the church is built up by repeated acts of self-denial and sacrifice by successive individuals in successive generations. They continue the work that Christ began. Paul believed that he was suffering the afflictions that God wanted him to endure. You know, about a third of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. And most of it was written while the Apostle Paul was suffering in prison. Now, someone long ago observed that Paul was such an incredible type A personality, he was always traveling, always moving, always preaching, always meeting with people, that God had to put him in prison to slow him down long enough so he would write. And over 2,000 years of history, Christians have had a great appreciation for God slowing Paul down enough to write because we don't know the content of those conversations or the content of those sermons, but by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit has preserved for us his writings that have been an incredible source of wisdom and insight to believers over the centuries. You might recall what the Lord said to Ananias when he sent Ananias to fetch Saul. He said, go. For Paul is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul in prison suffering was a fulfillment of what Christ said was going to happen. And the Apostle Paul was not the only apostle to suffer for the sake of Christ. Acts chapter 5 tells the story of the apostles being brought before the Sanhedrin. That Sanhedrin was the same group that had put Christ to death. Verse 40 says, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And the disciples left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Persecution was a cause for celebration and rejoicing in the early church. That you were Christian enough to be persecuted for being Christian. I remember when I was growing up, somebody asked the question, if being a Christian was against the law and you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would they laugh you out of court? Christian? <laughs> I don't think so. Every believer is entitled to experience a degree of suffering because of our relationship with Christ. The Apostle Peter wrote, 1 Peter 4, Beloved, do not be surprised 
at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Christians have been buried with Christ, we've been raised with Him, we've been made alive with Him, and if we've shared in His dying and, and raising, then we also share in His sufferings, and He shares in ours. Christ, therefore, continues to suffer in and through His body, the church. Well, we'll end there on this Monday. You're listening to Study Verse by Verse and a study in the book of Colossians with Pastor Leighton Sheely, the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Past studies can be listened to again or for the first time on our ministry website, studyversebyverse.com. That's studyversebyverse.com. And share with us the fact that you listen in. That's such an encouragement when you do. I'm Mike Trout. If you'd like more information about all of the activities at the church, and of course this is a very important time to get plugged in or plugged back in, they're all listed on the website, highlands.us. Have a great rest of your day and come back tomorrow when Pastor Layton will once again open the Word of God to the book of Colossians in the New Testament and help us study verse by verse.